welcome to the Training Design Podcast, approximately 45 minutes of tips and insights for practical training design with me, Sheridan Webb of Keystone Development and Training. And me, Terry Pierce of 360 Learning Design. In this episode, we will be tackling the topic of PowerPoint. Um, In particular, why does PowerPoint persist when most of us accept that it may have had its day? We'll be asking, does PowerPoint make you lazy? and considering some alternatives to PowerPoint for use in training design. We'll be looking at the mistakes that people make and how to avoid them, as well as coming up with our top tips and having chat about other training topics as well. PowerPoint is still very much used in training, but it also has a bit of a bad reputation. So Terry, what's the issue? I think a big problem is that PowerPoint is so easy to use and so widely used. I think there are around, uh, sort of stat the other day, 30 million PowerPoint presentations given per day. Um, All kinds of different people use it for all kinds of different things. They use it well, they use it badly, and it just gets overused. Uh, You've got this situation where the phrase death by PowerPoint has pretty much entered the dictionary at this point. (laughs) So uh, I I think, you know, we need to look up what we're using PowerPoint for, why we're using it. I think it's really important to get it right because if we think about it as training designers, we need to uh, engage people. We need to make sure they're retaining information uh, and we need to to make a good impression. We need to not look like dinosaurs. Mm. Yeah, I find, um, I think we're singing from the same hymn sheet as it were when it comes to PowerPoint, Terry, but it's, it's a really, really interesting debate that's been going on for years, hasn't it? Because so many people say we shouldn't be relying on PowerPoint, yet still it persists. Mm, mm, so, it um, you know, it, it's how do we break that cycle, I suppose? I mean, how, what do we need to think about in terms of how we're using PowerPoint? And- mm. I, I think a big thing is uh, starting with where are we going wrong? A lack of clarity in how people are using it or why people are using it. I think people are using it for a lot of different reasons. They're using it for prompts. So the facilitator or the presenter knows exactly where they're going, uh, what to say next. I think people are using it as a data dump, just everything that they might want to have in the session somewhere. If it's not going on a handout, it's going on slides. I think that uh, people are using it to give the sense of structure to the session so that you can see uh, you know, the, the six things that we're going to talk about and then we're on number one and now we're on number two and now we're on number three, four, five, six. So there's that and also just out of habit. So there's this big mix of reasons why people are using PowerPoint when actually we should be really clear on why we're using it uh, so that we've got a bit more focus and that we're using it for the right reasons. And for me, the right reason is we're using it to support the learning. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting, some of the points you say there about it just being used to give structure and the, and the data dump and all the rest of it. And I think um, this is possibly because it, it is a presentation tool. It's not a training tool. And often we have subject matter experts being asked to give training. Obviously, they're not trainers. They're subject matter experts. So what's the first thing they do? Yeah. You know, they make a presentation and they talk through their presentation. Mm. Um, and ask a few questions and think that's training yeah yeah absolutely uh, although that's not just limited to such a matter experts you know I've seen no. <laughs> plenty of times from from trainers as well yeah so let, let's assume that powerpoint won't go away as much as we might like it to um how can we avoid overusing it how can we avoid death by powerpoint i think there are three Uh, things we can try and do to move ourselves away from the worst excesses of PowerPoint. 
uh, I think we can try and use some kind of alternative because uh, while we still might be using slides, uh, if we just use an alternative system, then that in itself can just shake things up a bit, shake people up a little bit. Uh, I think the second thing we can do is use it better. I think a lot of it is just in terms of how it's used, uh, just mm. makes just it makes the problem worse. Uh, or the third thing, and uh, you know, when I talk to people about this, sometimes that they, they they a look of fear comes into their eyes. But uh, but go slideless, go completely slideless, no slides. I think is the third way. Yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? I think that trainers and facilitators are much more comfortable with that than um, maybe the people commissioning or signing off the training. Mm. Um, they they like to see a slide deck. Um, it gives them that confidence that certain things are going to be covered. Whereas if you just say, trust me, I'm a trainer, it'll all be covered. Um, we're just introducing that elements of nervousness, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And for me, one of the most important things is to start with the session plan. Uh, and if you start yeah. with the session plan, that should mean that you know you only use slides when you think it's the right thing to do in any given sense so rather than thinking what am i going to say next i'll put it on a slide you say what's coming next in the session plan you've got a, a box or a row or a column however you're doing the session plan that says this is the next thing we're covering it and how are we covering it uh so that's where we should start from a, a creation point of view so that we we're really flexible and we use the right thing for the right learning point but yeah, I think sometimes, you know, even though the uh, someone we're, we're designing for should then be looking at the session plan rather than looking at the slides, I guess slides are more visual and slides are more what people are used to and they expect. Yeah, that's certainly been my experience when I've sent um, courses for approval to clients. Mm. Um, if I haven't done a set, um, it's the first thing they open is the mm. slide deck and the slides may be very minimalist and they say well when are you going to cover this and when you cover that it's all in the session plan mm. but you know people aren't necessarily used to to reading that i suppose yeah maybe the answer in that sense actually i mean just really thinking about this now but maybe the answer is to because uh, the session plan is designed for the person facilitating it generally yes. and or someone who wants a really in-depth overview of uh, all of the ins and outs of the session but actually maybe the answer is to have a document which if, if you don't have slides which is intended for the person commissioning or, or an interested person who doesn't want the depth that the session plan gives but, mm, yeah mm. sort of an overview just to, um, before we start talking about how can we make things better because um, i'm sure you've got loads of tips on that can you share an example of how you've managed to avoid that death by PowerPoint and actually make it work for you? What lessons can we learn? Sure. Well, I can think of one client uh, that it is a quite an involved program for It's kind of six modules of management training, uh, six days and six separate modules of uh, personal development training, face-to-face uh, -face classroom based stuff where part of the brief was we don't want, any powerpoint at all we want zero powerpoint we've brilliant uh we've had feedback we've had feedback from our people and the feedback we've had from our people says that they've had it up to here with powerpoint and uh, we, we, we want to go completely the other way uh which was you know it's actually really really liberating as a as a designer to to to, to kind of uh focus on that space in particular and have the the, the client on board from the first instance mm. now obviously you know what we talked about is is, is that clients aren't always going to be that happy but i think if you if you if you're able to to show some success uh with the times when when you have been able to go go that route then um then i think it's a great great place to, to start in terms of persuading people um and you know starting from that point of zero and no powerpoint at all 
focused on okay what are the alternatives and i'm sure i'll talk more about some of these later but looked at uh, basing anything that needed to be visual at the front around a flip chart yeah. or some other kind of pre-prepared uh, physical objects uh, making things a lot more interactive you know and so uh, a lot of times where with the best one in the world uh, being a little tiny bit kind of taking the easiest path you'd put a model up at the front put a tool up at the front talk about it a little bit and then perhaps do an activity around it saying okay that's not an option now so how do we do that uh, how do we get people involved in it and getting people to you know use uh, various objects and laminated cards again I'll, I'll talk more about some of these as, as you know tips of ways we can use them later but getting people more kind of physically involved moving around the the, uh, the room uh you know i mean just to give you one example of, of that uh so uh, for this session one of the management sessions here used uh patrick lencioni's uh five levels of team dysfunction mm -hmm. which is, yeah. uh, if you're familiar if you're not familiar with it uh, anyone who's listening is this kind of pyramid of different uh, levels building one upon another of uh, different things that can go wrong in teams and often do go wrong in teams and often yeah you'd see people put that up at the front and talk about it and do an activity around it so we put it around the room various flip charts with uh, the pyramid kind of drawn out got people moving around the room got them using post-its to uh, share examples got them uh, kind of building it uh, themselves by interacting with it rather than starting with the slide as the kind of anchor point yeah yeah, I've I've covered that um, with masking tape on the floor before. Yeah, masking tape <laughs> on the floor is a great thing. One. Yeah. So just to, I don't want to take you um, off your train of thought there, Terry, but I'm just, is PowerPoint maybe just maybe a little bit lazy? I think it can be, uh, and I think you know, saying it's lazy, you know, we don't want to say that anyone who uses it is themselves lazy. I've certainly you know fallen into that trap myself, uh, but I think I think it encourages us to be lazy is maybe a really good mm. way to put it. I think that you you have something really easy there if you're relying on it for the structure of the session if you're thinking first or early in your process what goes on the slide it just sends you down a really familiar route in your brain uh which you know is easy is familiar and doesn't encourage you to think creatively and innovatively about how can i cover this learning point mm. yeah yeah you're right it isn't necessarily lazy to use powerpoint because creating a decent powerpoint deck is time consuming um but yeah i think you're right the the ease of it maybe does encourage us to be lazy and sometimes take the easy option rather than thinking more creatively as you say mm -hmm. okay so is there any um anything else that you can teach us from your experience of doing a whole program without slides I, i've done sessions without slides before but a whole program that sounds like quite a challenge so well, I, I, it was a little bit challenging. Sometimes there was, uh, I wouldn't mind putting an odd slide in here, but actually, uh, as soon as you get into the rhythm of it, uh, I think, yeah, again, quite liberating. So some of it was pre-prepared flips, which, you know, in a way is kind of like a paper version of a slide. I yeah, guess. yeah. Uh, but you don't want to do too, you can't practically do too many of those. And it does encourage those things themselves to be a bit more in, in, interactive. Uh, you can put them around the room to show where you've been. You can create the journey uh, along with your, your interactive make them up as you go along flips. Nice. Um, and you can kind of move uh, different things around them, uh, post-its or stickers uh, of, of various things. Uh, so that, that kind of can, can stand in a little bit for some slides, but in a slightly more interactive way. Uh, I think some people worry a little bit about, does that seem a little bit low tech or not very professional? Uh, but actually, for me, you know, I've done it with people at all levels, some fairly senior managers. Um, and I think, you know, they, they quite, I think they quite often, again, appreciate the change, really. Mm. 
Yeah, I agree, actually, because I was um, observing um, a workshop that I designed um, for a client of mine and I've got a different facilitator running it. And I did ask her why she wasn't using the slides because um, I'd created because that's what the client wanted. They wanted these nice slides. And she said, to be honest, it was almost like, oh, I've been, I've been asked. I should have, I'm doing something wrong. It's like, no, I just want to know why I'm not using the slides. And she said that they react better to not having them. She said, mm. it, it, if we've got the slides on the screen, everyone sort of settles down. The energy level seems to, to drop. Mm. Whereas when we are, as you said, we've got pre-prepared flips around the room or we're creating things ourselves, it, people stay more alert somehow. And I think that's going to be my next question to you, Terry, is how do you find that delegates respond to no PowerPoint in, in your experience? Really well. I think the, the focus is on you on the discussion on uh the learning uh i think you know like you say people sometimes glaze over a little bit as much as powerpoint might encourage us as designers and perhaps sometimes as facilitators into a nice familiar easy route the familiar thing the familiar human response these days i think to a powerpoint presentation is to glaze over yeah uh, so yeah okay your material might be pretty good your uh points the, the slides themselves might be pretty good, but you're, you're, you're still fighting against that reaction at this stage. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is, isn't it? It's, just, it's the fact that this is not a normal meeting. This is something mm. a little bit different. So maybe yeah. I need to pay a bit more attention. Absolutely, yeah. So what else captures people's um, attention, holds their attention, if we're not using PowerPoint, Terry? I think one of the biggest things that's worked for me is to get them more physically involved. So... If you've actually got objects, if you're using the three-dimensional space in the room rather than a two-dimensional space at the front, then people feel involved, you know, and there's the, the whole kind of, you know, show me and I'll understand, but involve me and I'll learn kind of idea. And I yeah. think that's what, what we want, really, uh, a lot of the time. So giving people uh, laminates with laminated cards with uh, particular words or concepts from model on and then getting to stand up and move around the room to show the interaction between the different parts of the tool or idea or getting them to, to arrange them themselves and build it themselves. Uh, and then, you know, as well as laminated cards with, uh, with ideas and concepts on, you can then build on top of that uh, as you go with getting them to write on post-its. Uh, all of that can interact with flip charts, which are placed in various places around the room. Or as you said, masking tape on the floor to, to show boxes or show a pyramid or show two mm. different two different halves or, or, two, or two ends of a scale or any of these kind of things that we might be putting on a slide we can just make in the room in three dimensions using not too you know difficult to carry around or, or organized kind of kit yeah yeah and i think it's um it, what you're suggesting there it plays really well to sort of the principles of accelerated learning as well mm is that we're not just showing somebody something and talking about it we're actually involving more senses um, mm. which makes it more memorable which makes it easier for them to remember and therefore hopefully apply yeah absolutely uh, and you know once you get the people involved particularly for getting them to move around the room or even if not to move around the room uh, you, you just you know it's, it's like that thing if, if you're going to give an example in a training session rather than giving an example where you say, let's imagine that you've got Mr. Smith who does this and, and you know, uh, Mrs. Khan who does this. You say, okay, you, Jeff, who's sitting right in front of me, imagine you come into a room and you see this and then this person, and, and instead of saying this person, then you say, 
you, Sarah, you're talking, Jeff, you're talking to Sarah. And these just Jeff and Sarah, two of your delegates. And suddenly they're involved. They're, they're there in the middle of it. So, you know, yeah. if you, that's, that's just talking something through. But if you're designing something, you can, you can talk about giving people cards and saying right now, rather than talking about this as a, a question type or a personality style uh, that some people might have, we'll say you are that for the rest of this explanation or the rest of this uh, exploration. Oh yeah, so almost like um, putting different hats on people. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> okay. exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. Just something that's um, struck me on this, um, and forgive me for putting you on the spot, Terry. I do this a lot, don't I? Um, right. I'm just putting my client stroke manager corporate hat on here. Mm. So if we're not using slides, um, which we both agree is generally a good thing, how do we ensure that the delegates go away with the information that we want them to have? because that is often why I get asked in to create trainings because we need them to understand this or we need them to do this differently. And we need to be clear that this has been covered. So if we're not putting it on a slide, how do we provide it? Mm. Well, for me, the biggest answer to that question, the most important thing in answering that question is what we mean by go away with, because if what we mean by go away with is they go away with a printout of the slide deck and they put it in a drawer and never look at it again, then great. We've ticked that box, but it doesn't mean anything if what we actually mean as i think we should by go away with is that they've gone away with it in their brain and it's something they can use then you know we need to do something that's going to break through the ice it's going to you know not, not slide like water off, off of their back mm -hmm. so that's why i think we need to to, to, to move away from slides a lot of the time uh, but if we are finding that you know there are there are particular things we want them to have reference to you can still use handouts and workbooks you know i'm not saying that any of this stuff is not allowed uh, just saying that it shouldn't be the default and essential pole of every single session that is an absolute superb answer actually <laughs> i'm really really impressed with that and you're right i think it's about having that reference material isn't it so the the, the takeaway is it's what happens in the room. It's those aha moments. It's that real learning. And yeah, you're quite right for creating. Um, and this is something that I do is I create the workbook or the handouts, which just summarizes the main content, which mm. those who want to look at it in more detail afterwards can do so. Um, and those who go, no, I was brilliant. I've taken what I wanted. Then they're not encumbered by having all this paperwork. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, uh, talk about uh, online references where they can, you know, if you're able to create something that is separately to the session, an online resource, uh, kind of micro learning or follow up learning, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, but, but also, I think uh, the other thing you can do with, with any of those, as well as uh, kind of handouts, you can make the handouts a little bit interactive, or you can make the, the way in which they um, the way in which they they kind of create the thing you can make it partly written so that actually what they're taking away at the end isn't just your slide deck that you made and you're expecting them to 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 uh, reread later but mm. it's their own thing that they were involved in creating that they put in their own language and their own words um that they're therefore it means something more to them and they're more likely to use it afterwards yeah absolutely i mean when i send um, materials to a client for approval i'm, I'm always really clear that there's no point in them just opening the slide deck because the slide deck on its own is not going to tell them anything. I mean, on my power hour materials as well, the, the slides are free to download because there's so little information actually on the slides, the details in the session plan. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, I think that's what you're saying there is it's for, for learning to really occur. It has to be personal. Mm. And it has mm. to be documented in a way that's meaningful to us. 
um, not through um, a handy package that everyone's got on their computer. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think if you go to the extremes on some of that stuff, actually, you can get them to actually create some of the tools and ideas rather than do it yourself. So if I just give you a quick example with uh, delegation, uh, I've, I was, got to a stage where I designed a number of workshops that included a section on delegation. And I was using a number of different uh, tools, processes that the client in particular or the, you know, the, the job in particular pointed to or required. And they were all fairly much of a muchness. There's not that much different you can do with the kind of delegation process. It's no. usually something along the lines of, you know, you, ha you make some decisions up front about what you can delegate and who's the best fit. You do something uh, around briefing them in a particular way that includes a number of things. And then you monitor, control, support the delegation, uh, and at the end have some kind of review. There's variations on that theme. There's never yeah. very far away from it. But I had, you know, been used at this point about four or five different kind of branded versions or whatever of, of that. So I was actually, you know what, I think that if we hand that over to the delegates and say, let's have you create your own on a fresh sheet of paper, what is your process? What are your steps? move around you know make it into a really interactive activity mm. which uh with a little bit of facilitation you know, can make sure they don't you don't they don't go too far wrong while making sure it's all their own work and then the takeaways and the handouts you know there's no slides involved at all uh, the, the 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 exploring it is them making it up as they go and the takeaway is them taking a photo of it or you asking them to record their final version of it on a sheet which is designed for mm. them to take away or something like that yeah much more powerful much more meaningful hmm. um we're, we're back to the ikea principle again aren't we as a you're much more proud of something you made yourself mm, yeah that is actually they talk about that in <laughs> cognitive psychology now the ikea principle yeah 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 it's it's so true so i'm one of the things sometimes you know as a training designer i am told i have to include slides um, and actually sometimes that is with good reason so uh, just share an example is um, for example if you've got people where maybe English isn't their first language having the key points on the slide can help um, mm. because obviously it's perhaps easier to read than it is to hear especially if the facilitator's talking quickly if they've got an accent it, it can be quite tricky mm. um, but if if we have to use PowerPoint and I think you and I are definitely on the same page as you know it's it's not that we should never use it but we should use it if we have to what would be your tips for using it well mm. no i think it's a really good question and i think those those needs you can try and teach you in a number of different ways you know i think some of the things we just said around handouts could help there but definitely sometimes you will end up either having to use it or feeling that okay it is the best option in this particular case mm. um i think uh there are some things that people do all the time that they should stop doing and there are some Ooh, things to do start tell. doing instead. <laughs> I think people should stop using things that people have seen a million times before. So clip art, I'm not a big fan of clip art in general, but uh, there are definitely a lot of pieces, individual kind of images of clip art that have been just used to death. And it's yeah. just that, that familiar terror. They're just, oh, this again, this is just putting me in mind of that. You know, those other hundred presentations that I uh, slept through, the, the <laughs> same thing. Um, same with a number of stock photos, particularly those really insincere one of you know business people having fun. Uh, those kind of stock photos, I think, fit into the same category for me. So if you're going to use images, you know, using original, uh, interesting ones that relate to the 
thing you're talking about rather than uh, just generic ones. The other big thing for me, I think people need to stop doing is too much information per slide. I think people get a bit worried about how many slides they have and that's yes. good. You should be worried about it, but not as much as how much is on each slide. So if you have to split something out into three or four slides, it just gives you a little bit more control. It, may, it gives you a more of a chance to talk around each point that is just a point on a slide rather than mm. 10 points bunched onto one. And it just looks a lot less daunting, I think, for the for the yeah. uh, for the audience. They're not sitting there thinking, "Oh, wow, let's be here for the next half an hour." They talk to all of this stuff. Yeah, I guess it's a change of visual stimulus as well, isn't it? Because I've not actually mm. thought of that before, Terry. But you're right. Because mm. if, if you bring up a slide and the first bullet point is tiny and there's a load of gaps underneath it, you know there's going to be a massive list coming. Mm. Whereas if it's one sentence in the middle, you, you've no, you've no expectation about what's coming next, and you're going to yeah. give that your full attention. So that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah, I think it helps you to control the focus, and yeah, definitely helps helps with all kinds of things as well. It helps with uh, you know our working memory. Our working memory can't really take in that much at once. So we're roaming around the slide. You know, if there's eight, ten points on a slide, we're trying to connect them all together. Yeah, I think absolutely. Just just uh, you know, more slides if necessary, but with less on. I think some of the things they should probably be doing instead. Yeah, trying to be as minimal as possible. I think there's a lot of rules that you see around the place of you know only this many words per line, only this many per slide, but just just I'd go beyond that and just say the minimum, the, the absolute yes. minimum, just just as little as you can possibly get away with. Uh, and if that's sometimes a single image or a single word on a slide, fantastic. You know, mm. if, if if you go back to what we said at the start and said, actually, what we should be thinking about is why are we using these things? If we're not using them as just prompts for our own convenience, so we're not using them as a data dump, we're not using them to give the session itself a sense of structure, and instead we're using them to support learning, then fine, we're going to learn about this topic. So I'm going to put a, a slide about this type of slide that relates, a slide that anchors all of our kind of discussion and thought to this visual kind of anchor. Um, and then great, you know, everything else I do around it, whether I do a more interactive activity or we have a discussion, yeah, it, it's got something to connect to on, 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 in a visual sense or, or it's got a few words for those people who need to, to have those words to focus on and see how they spell and remember them. Mm. But it hasn't got anything else to distract. Yeah. I suppose what you're saying there is that in some ways, actually, um, less is more in that if you have less on the slide, it actually gives more control to the facilitator. Definitely. Whereas yeah. if you are constrained by your slides, mm. um, it actually means that the facilitator can't react to the needs in the room. Mm. Um, yeah. I think so. Uh, there's, a, there's a really good uh, TED talk on this, actually, uh, by David, David J.P. Phillips called How to Avoid Death by PowerPoint. And some of the things that I've just talked about, he gives some really good examples of. You can, you can, if you have a look at that, you can see the, the kind of uh, examples that he brings up. And they're all really obvious. When you, when you look at them, you see someone else doing it wrong, yeah. doing it really well. You're like, yeah, I don't want to be like that person. I want to be like that person. <laughs> I think the other thing for me is if you are going to go quite traditional in terms of size if you do feel the need to put three four five six things on a slide which look like bullet points then don't just have them there on a white slide as bullet points uh think about a different way to arrange them uh think about using something like smart art which is a more recent function on powerpoint which just makes them a little bit more visually appealing uses a bit more color uh, you know again it's that kind of drabness and that sameness of, of slide after slide of bullet points that that is part of the problem yeah, I love I love smart art. It, um, when when that came out, I was like, "Oh, that's amazing!" Um, and you're right; it is better than um, just bullet points, and you can still build it up the same way as you can with bullet points. Mm. 
But I think the other thing as well I learned very early on in my training career is, um, and I'm sure you'll back me up on this, Terry, is to not animate your slides beyond just having things appear. Mm. Um, because, you know, when things start whizzing in and spiralling out, it's just distracting. It adds no value whatsoever. Um, and I don't think there's many people do that now, certainly not trainers. Mm. Um, maybe it was a way of um, making just a straightforward presentation slightly more engaging i don't know but mm. for me that's a, a bigger gimmick than anything else yeah absolutely absolutely so the other thing i sorry so i'm just going to jump in there um mm. as somebody who typically designs for other trainers rather than for myself um and we just talk about animation there i tend not to animate my slides um, when i use them because i feel that every facilitator will use them differently so I kind of leave the animation up to the facilitator because some will just want to bring the slide up in its entirety and others will want to maybe build something. So I don't know. It's, maybe that's just a slight difference between a, a design approach and a facilitation approach. I don't know. I think one way to do that uh, that can kind of tick both boxes is to, uh, as, as we were just talking about, about splitting things among slides. So the more that you can split things out into separate slides, the less that it's really an issue. I mean, again, it can seem mm. like there's a lot of slides here, but because each one is so simple, you're not talking about any more information or any more death by PowerPoint. You're really yes. just talking about more control and more focus for both you and the audience. And so then, you know, this, this idea of, uh, you know, is the next one going to come in now? Do we have them separate? What kind of transition or animation do we have? That kind of goes away to some extent because everything is on its own slide and, the, you know, the, the, that, that focuses the discussion and, you know, mm. the, the facilitator's mind as, as one of the thing around the thing that's on that slide. And then actually as soon as you're happy and ready and done with that, you're moving to the next slide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we talked about um, using flip charts, using posters, using physical things, if we can. Um, is it worth mentioning that other slide packages are available? <laughs> it doesn't mm. always have to be PowerPoint. Yeah, I think so. I think, again, you know, if we think about what the problem is, part of the problem is just this, this sameness. And mm. uh, because PowerPoint is so easy and everyone knows how to use it, uh, you know, it, it's, it's easy to just say, OK, well, I'll use PowerPoint if I have to do a slide. But definitely there's some really good uh, alternatives around there if you do want to put some slides together. Uh, I mean, there are some, I think these days that are very much focused on doing the work for you, uh, which is quite interesting. So with PowerPoint, you have, you, you have got things like templates and so on, but mm. to, to move much beyond basic, you have to start to do a bit of work yourself. Uh, but there are some things like Haiku Deck and Beautiful AI, uh, which are two web-based packages which you can use to create slides. And they, you know, as the name "Beautiful AI" artificial intelligence suggests, it's it's kind of uh, it's making a lot of the decisions for you based on principles of good layout and so on, based on what you tell it that you want to get across. So, yeah. you know, it's it's taking a lot of them. I think both of them advertise themselves as you know, good design without a designer kind of thing putting us out of a job i guess <laughs> uh, but you know no. but, but we're not but we're not we're not um visual designers no i know at, at the end of the day and and i i used haiku deck um mm. a few years ago before it went and you had to get um it, you had to do it online when I, when I stopped using it you could use it offline as well mm. um but you, you know my my 
previous troubles with internet connections mm. so I, I couldn't work with something that was purely yeah. and i found that was really really mm. refreshing and really nice mm. had a great library of images and it kind of prevented you from putting too many words on a slide it just mm. picked up when computer says no yes so it was yeah. quite good <laughs> yeah so they're good options particularly if you don't want to learn a new system uh, and you know you want some of the work to be done for you and you just want something that looks beautiful uh, I think you know there there are other ones uh, that are coming out into the, the mainstream now. Sway is Microsoft's attempt to 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 realise this problem for itself a little bit. That actually it wants to have a package that will create slides that is not PowerPoint for those people mm -hmm. who don't want PowerPoint. Uh, so Sway is quite interesting, and it's it's kind of based on a principle of uh, having creating the whole kind of document and then moving to different parts of it, um, which is is kind of kind of interesting, and it's pretty low. Uh, it doesn't doesn't take a lot of learning, I think, to learn how to use that. Uh, and there's another package that takes that idea to another extreme, which I think a lot of people do know about now, or if they don't know about it, they will have seen it because it's the basis of almost every TED talk. Is Prezi? Uh, yes. So, yeah, Prezi is. Um, you know, it's just got this idea of a canvas, uh, and I really mm. love that uh, in terms of being different from PowerPoint. So instead of the succession of slides one after another, like cards that people use for revision almost sometimes yeah, yeah. powerpoint scenes but the prezi idea is yeah to have this canvas and say oh we've got this huge canvas say a world map and now we're going to zoom in to uh, brazil and say some things about brazil and we're going to have the words or the other images up on screen in front of this zoomed in picture of brazil and then we're going to zoom back out to the whole canvas of the whole world map and now we're going to zoom over here into japan and yeah. wherever else it might be um, and obviously that, that example just uses a world map, but definitely you can use anything. You can use your process map if you're trying to train out a process. You can use uh, an image which represents a key concept. You can uh, you can talk about, you know, if, you, if you're training a, uh, a, a kind of model or a tool that has, you know, four letters to it, you can have the four letters and what they stand for on the big canvas and then zoom into each one and talk a little bit about each one. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I quite like that idea. But it is... It's harder to learn how to use. It's a bit more intensive in terms of picking it up. It is, and, and I've used Prezi myself, and, and it is great, but I think it kind of contradicts what we were saying earlier about being able to be flexible in the session mm. um, because I think Prezi is, out of all of them, probably the least flexible because it, it's almost like it goes here, then it goes there, then it goes there. Um, it may have developed since I last used it because um, I haven't used it in over a year. Uh, I think you, it does have a mode where you can uh, you can move about in a non-ordered way, but yeah, it's mm. set up, it's set up to, to kind of follow a, a narrative through various zoom zooming in and zooming out. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you don't have to use it for the whole session. But yeah, no, you're right. You want to be careful mm. with that. Yeah, but like like you say, for for example, if part of the training session is to introduce a process, mm. um, you do have to do that in a in a set order. So it lends itself perfectly to that. You don't have to build the whole session on that; just that section. Yeah, absolutely. And it would work well. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah, great. I think we've discussed a lot of really interesting stuff about how to avoid death by PowerPoint and get more out of the way we use or don't use slides uh we'd like to try and make this podcast as practical as we can what are you taking away in terms of practical tips from today well for, as i said before terry i think you and i are on the same page when it comes to powerpoint um is that it absolutely should not be where you start your training design process so we do we do not start in powerpoint um we shouldn't be using powerpoint out of habit I think that's probably the big things. And I think that kind of links to the, you don't start your, your training design 
in PowerPoint, you think about the session plan and then you see what visual aids will support your session plan. So we need to consider alternatives um, and it's absolutely valid to use PowerPoint for part of a session and then put it away um, and use other methods. So we, we, we don't have to be wedded to it for the whole time, but sometimes it is appropriate um, to use. So don't be scared of using it either. The other thing I picked up, um, which is just a, a useful reminder, is that sometimes more is less. Um, so keep it visual, keep it simple. And actually, it's not the number of slides that matters. It's the content that's on them, really. So uh, it may be better to have 30 slides with, that cover 30 sentences rather than three slides with 10 sentences on each. It's just a lot less daunting. It's a lot more flexible. It helps to keep people's engagement. But I, I think for me, the, the biggest takeaway um, is just a little throwaway comment that you made is that on a, on a learning event, on a training workshop, the takeaway is what people learn. It's mm. not what information they have. Mm. So, you know, they can go away with a massive, thick workbook. They can go away with a, a detailed PowerPoint deck. That's not what they've learned. So right. that's where we need to focus. Yeah. So I don't know if you think uh, there's anything else on there that you would like to stress that I didn't pick up on. I think that's a great summary. Uh, probably the one thing I might just add that I'm really keen on, and this comes from, you know, you, as, as you know quite well now, by now, Sheridan, my kind of desire to get creative as much as possible uh, in design. But, it, but it's that, that thing of taking advantage, taking the opportunity when you're moving away from slides to say, okay, you know, the, the world is my oyster. I can do this however I want. Uh, I can get things going physically around the room. I can get people moving around. I can write things on various places. I can introduce physical objects. Uh, as soon as you move away from that two dimensions into the three dimensions, you know, embracing that opportunity and saying, uh, let's think if I can do this in a way that, that I haven't done before, but that is going to be all the more memorable for that. Yeah. So it's almost asking yourself is if I, if I couldn't use slides, what would I use instead? Mm. Um, bring up that alternative and then compare it. Um, mm. And as we mm. said, it's, it's not that you should never use slides, it's that you need to use them appropriately. Mm, definitely. Good stuff. Cool. So uh, that's been a lot of stuff from me. Uh, what have, what's been going on in your world this week, Sheridan, in particular? Well, I've, I've had um, a, a busy week um, with various bits and pieces. I haven't actually been actively engaged in training design this week or delivery. I've been doing a lot of... Um, stuff behind the scenes a lot of um, idea development I suppose I've been uh, running webinars um, I've been writing posts and blogs and this sort of stuff and when you start to do that sort of thing um, you start to notice themes I think because obviously when you're doing that sort of work you start to be drawn to similar things as well I, I don't know Terry I don't know if I'm becoming a grumpy old woman or, <laughs> or something but I'm sure you're not <laughs> I think I probably am it, I don't know how to package it apart from saying, as learning designers, don't overcomplicate things. Um, learning at its core is such a simple process, yet we insist on making it complicated for whatever reason. If I can give you sort of three recent events. One mm. is um, I attended a webinar, uh, which was a really good webinar, I have to say, very insightful, very useful. Um, but it was, and I think it was, to be fair, it was probably sponsored by, um, or it had deliberately a more technical flavour to it, if you like. But that was on social learning and how um, 
all these apps are available you need to set up communities and this that and the other to allow people to learn socially um, and, and i've had experience of this a, a couple of times where people have said to me um, they've approached me on linkedin oh we're setting up a great community we'd love you to be a part of it or we're setting up a network oh yeah yeah that sounds great and then in one instance i was asked to join a slack group and then the other i was asked to join a whatsapp group and i'm thinking you recruited me on linkedin i'm already using linkedin why do i have to learn to use slack why do i have to learn to use whatsapp i'm not in the habit of using these things and um one of me my trained science club members was also on this webinar and she made a great comment fish where the fish are mm. so you know if people are already using methods to learn as learning designers we should be enhancing that rather than trying to force people onto another platform mm. um, and i think it, this links to a, a linkedin conversation i was having just this morning with a brand new contact actually it's that what really matters is the conversation it's about putting mm. people in touch with one with one another the process is almost irrelevant and sometimes i know i have fallen into the trap i did this with my only training designers club is that i fell into the trap of thinking that i had to have a big fancy process i had to uh, an all singing all dancing product um i spent a lot of time developing a website with lots and lots of resources on it trying to provide people with lots of programs and opportunities and things that they could access and actually um, the feedback has come back the most valuable thing is the opportunity to talk to somebody else either in person or just via a chat you know an online chat yeah that that, that for, for me the learning is we sometimes still as learning designers because we want to show that we're adding value we want mm. to um, show people that there's a journey through and we're not just tossing ideas out there um, we can overcomplicate it mm. I think um, and the, the sort of aha moment I had um, was and I've done this on certain programs and I'm sure you have as well, is if we can build learning just one step at a time, mm. it's going to be far more powerful and far more valuable than if we try and design a six month, 18 month program in its entirety, because by the time people have completed module one, the, the last module 18 months away is already out of date. Mm. So it, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what's on my mind at the moment how can we simplify how can we um i don't know just give people what they want without getting too um bogged down i suppose mm. i think that's really interesting yeah and that that could probably fill up a whole episode in its own right and maybe it will at some point what it just put maybe when i've thought it through a little bit more <laughs> rather than it just being a and this is on my mind today <laughs> well i think some of the most inspirational stuff comes from that what it just put me in mind of is i don't, I don't know if you remember if, if you were really engaged with the internet at this point because most people remember the internet and google is almost coming up at the almost at the same time, but I do remember actually before Google was a thing. And so do I. <laughs> yeah, good, excellent. And we had these uh, other other kind of portals, uh, as he's gone to the, to the web, uh, AltaVista, Yahoo, lots of different ones. Ask kind of, Jeeves. <laughs> yeah, well, Ask Jeeves was actually one of the later ones because it didn't do this mistake that these other ones I'm talking All about right. did actually. Because, uh, the mistake they made was to try and put as much value as possible 
on that portal on the front page mm. um and you know try and put their their partners and other things that they're advertising and the services they thought you'd want uh, and try and say look we've got this real estate we've got the screen let's just put as much as we can on it because it's all adding value and mm. actually it wasn't adding value it was making things more confused more messy people is you know this is what this is what made me think of it at the same point you were making there that you know uh we're moving away from simplicity and complicating things um and actually the reason that google part of the reason that it was so, so successful uh, was because it just got rid of all that and it said you want to search the internet for what we for, for what yeah. you're looking for so we're going to just give you a nice blank screen with a nice colorful logo and a box and that's it yes um, yeah yeah and then it's all behind it mm, yeah so, yeah yeah to keep yeah. it simple sometimes yeah and i think uh, without this going into a whole other long discussion mm. i think sometimes um particularly these days when you know people you know we're rightly being questioned why should we take people off the job for a live workshop um how we're going to get value from that and i think there is pressure from stakeholders to cram as much in mm. sometimes mm. to that day or to those two days um and yeah we, we we can end up going off message we can end up overwhelming people um so yes yeah, sometimes and like in a in a weird sort of way this does kind of come back to your points about using powerpoint in some ways less is more definitely um, yeah definitely. so that they, they were my thoughts um in the last few days really so grumpy old woman strikes again <laughs> <laughs> good stuff so I think that's us for today. The last thing I think that just remains for us to tell people is what to do if they want to get in touch. So uh, you have the links and resources uh, on the page where you access the podcast. We'd love some discussion on the podcast's Facebook page. So just search for the Training Design Podcast on Facebook and let us know there your thoughts on the podcast itself, on the topics we've been discussing or on anything else you think we'd like to hear about. Uh, also, if you want to connect with either or both of us individually, that'd be great. If you want to get in touch uh, with me, then you can do so via my 360 Learning Design website uh, or email me at terry uh, at 360learningdesign.com or you can look me up on LinkedIn. We'd love to hear from you. love to hear any questions, comments about the show. Uh, I'm sure that Sheridan will tell you a little bit about how you can get in touch with her. Yep, absolutely. So um, the joy of having an unusual name is I'm very easy to find on LinkedIn. You just search for Sheridan Webb and I will pop up. You can email me Sheridan at keystonedevelopment.co.uk or you can join the Training Designers Club, um, which has a free group on Facebook. Um, so if you just search for that, you're very welcome. Answer three questions and you're straight in. Well, uh, I guess this is goodbye and uh, I'll see you next week from yep. Terry. Mm -hmm. And Sheridan, lovely to talk to you as usual, Terry. Cheers. Okay, take care. Bye.